You're listening to the Faith Matters Podcast with Steve McKinley. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKinley. I'm the pastor of the Navin Baptist Fellowship in Navin County Meath. What happens after death? Well, last week on the podcast, I argued that uh, what happens after death is translation. Your soul or spirit is translated into one of two places after death. It's either heaven or hell. It's one of those places, and there is no other option. And we get that out of the Bible, God's Word. God tells us in His Word that you're either going to heaven or to hell the very instant you die. And so you want to be ready for that. And you know, there are other beliefs out there. There's one view, and I, I don't think I would call it a popular view, but it's out there, and it's the idea of soul sleep. And I want to talk about that today. What does the Bible say about soul sleep? You know, a lot of people believe that, uh, that after death, the soul simply goes to sleep. And there is the body rotting in the grave, and the soul goes to sleep. It basically uh, goes to a silent world in which there's no knowledge, there's no activity, there's no consciousness. And so if you don't have those things, if your spirit doesn't have those things, essentially it's non-existent. And so soul sleep really amounts to the position or the belief that the soul or the spirit is non-existent after death. And uh, there are three basic camps that uh, hold this view. And one is that the soul sleeps until the resurrection. So people that believe that hold to soul sleep believe that there is a future resurrection of the body and the soul. But uh, one one camp believes that the soul sleeps until the resurrection. Uh, another camp believes that the soul dies, you know, that the soul is basically non-existent, but is resurrected or brought back to life somehow at the resurrection. And then there's a third camp that simply believes there is no afterlife of any kind. Your, your soul is just, it goes to sleep or it is annihilated and it doesn't come back. And uh, there have, have been various Christian denominations that have believed this throughout time. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, the, re the uh, well-known reformer, was sympathetic to the view. I don't know that he fully subscribed to it, but he appeared sympathetic to it. The other reformer, John Calvin, and another man uh, by the name of Heinrich Bullinger, two, re two reformers, uh, were opposed to it and argued against it. And there were also, around that time, some Anabaptists. If you're familiar with church history at all, you'll know a little bit about the Anabaptists. Some of the Anabaptists believed in held to soul sleep. In our modern times, there are two groups. Uh, there are the Seventh-day Adventists and Jehovah's Witnesses that believe in soul sleep. And why are we talking about this, and why does it matter? Well, because God gave us truth in his word about what happens after death, and we want to get this right. Uh, whenever you believe things that aren't true, eventually, in some way, somehow, you are going to be hurt <clears throat> by believing what's not true. You're going to be the worse off for it, and I'll share a little bit more about that toward the end of the podcast, about why this is a damaging view. But for right now, let's just say we want to get it right. You know, we want to, we want our beliefs and our views to line up with the way that the world actually works. And so it really comes down to 
what does God say about life after death uh, or about soul sleep after death? And the reality is that we just don't know because, well, we're not dead yet. Uh, only the dead know, unless they're sleeping, in which case they don't know. <laughs> it really comes down to what does God know <clears throat> and what does God share with us. It turns out he has shed some light on this subject. But first of all, let's look at why people do believe in soul sleep. And there are a number of uh, passages in the Bible that maybe allude to soul sleep. In the New Testament, um, and in, in actually in places in the Old Testament as well, there are many references to, uh, to a person going to sleep, and that really is a euphemism for death. And instead of saying a person died, it says that they went to sleep. So, for example, the prophet Daniel refers to those who sleep in the dust of the earth. And so what did he mean by that? Did he mean that people are actually sleeping in the dust of the earth, or did he mean that they, were, they died? Uh, Psalm 115, verse 17 says that the dead praise not Jehovah, neither any that go down into silence. And so death is described as a place of silence where the praise of God does not happen. In Ecclesiastes 9, verses 5 and 6, it says, For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten, as well as their love, as their hatred and their envy is perished long ago. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. And so the the dead, their life is over. It's done. They can't contribute anything else to the world of the living. They are forgotten. They're perished. And that's the Old Testament. We also find these same type of references in the New Testament. And so in Matthew 9, 24, Jesus said uh, concerning this uh, ruler's daughter, uh, the ruler came to Jesus and asked him to heal her because she was sick. And then she ended up dying, and Jesus raised her to life. But he said, The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. She's sleeping, he said. And then in Acts 7, verse 60, we have the very first martyr of the Christian faith. That's uh, Stephen, the deacon. And it says there that he, uh, well, he was stoned to death. And we are, we're told there that he fell asleep. And there are many other such references. You know, I could go on here for quite a long time, but uh, but the scripture references dead people as being asleep. And one thing we we might note about this, I mean, at, at first glance, this sounds reasonable. Okay, maybe the soul does go to sleep when you die and is awakened at some future point. I mean, it, it sounds on the surface of it reasonable and that it could be true. However, there are many problems with this view, which I'll share. And basically what we can say about this is that Scripture is using the language of appearance that applies to the body only. It's using the, uh, the language of appearance. So when a body is dead, it's laying out like it's asleep. It looks peaceful, and it looks very much like the person is just sleeping. And so, based on visual appearance alone, sleep has become a euphemism for death. We don't necessarily need to take it literally uh, in, that, 
that the soul is actually sleeping because it appears to be referencing uh, the physical body only, and particularly it's viewed from the standpoint of the living. Okay, so in terms of we who are living, a body appears to be asleep. We don't see the soul anymore. It's gone. It's silent. It can't contribute anything to life any longer. And so from our standpoint, the soul is gone. It, it, it appears destroyed or asleep. But is that really the case? Is that what the writers of Scripture meant when they used the word sleeping? Let's look at several other arguments against soul sleep. And the first one that we can look at is James 2.28, and I mentioned this last week on the podcast, and here we have a very clear definition of what death is. When you think about what death is, James, in James 2.28, he said that death is the spirit separating or departing from the body. And so the body goes into the grave and begins to decompose, uh, and the spirit um, has departed. And I said last week it's translated into one of two places, heaven or hell. But James didn't say that the, the soul simply goes to sleep along with the body. He, he defined death for us, and he said that death is the body without the spirit. And so we have that definition of what death is, and it goes against soul sleep. But an even stronger argument are the very words of Jesus himself. Um, over in Luke chapter 16, Jesus uh, was telling this um, parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And if you know that story, the, the rich man uh, treated Lazarus very poorly in his life and oppressed him and didn't lift a finger to help this poor beggarly man. And they both die, and they end up in, uh, in the place of death. And uh, Lazarus in, in the bosom of Abraham, in what we think of as, as paradise, and uh, the rich man ending up across a wide gulf on the other side, which we can think of as hell. And so here are these two men, and they're both, uh, both conscious. In fact, they recognize one another, and the rich man, he calls out to uh, Abraham, and Abraham speaks back to him. So Abraham and the rich man appear to recognize one another, and they feel things. The rich man begs for water, and he says, I'm thirsty. Um, please give me a, a just a drop of water because I'm in such agony. And uh, here, here Lazarus had feelings of happiness, and uh, the rich man felt fe feelings of torment and misery. And so uh, Jesus told this parable, and clearly this is before the resurrection. Uh, this was present day in Jesus' time there, and it wasn't as if Jesus was somehow mistaken or as if he was going to mislead his followers. Uh, Jesus knew uh, all about the afterlife, and he gave us a true accounting of it in that parable. If Jesus had told that parable, but really the soul goes to sleep after death, we would have to say that Jesus was dishonest or that he misled us in some way. But we know that Jesus would never lie, and he would not mislead, and Jesus gave us this very clear accounting uh, in this parable that aligns with reality. Uh, this is what happens after death. A person is, uh, a soul is conscious, and... Um, 
and able to uh, interact with other people and feel things. And then also, uh, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, here was the, the thief hanging next to him, and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, he said. Uh, he didn't have to go to sleep and wait for hundreds or thousands of years waiting for the kingdom. Jesus said, this very day, so immediately you will be with me in paradise goes back to what I talked about last week. When you die, you're immediately in heaven or hell. And uh, it happens instantaneously the moment you die. And that's what Jesus told the man on the cross. Also in Matthew 17, verses 1 through 8, we have this uh, transfiguration scene where Jesus brings three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, um, up on the hill with him up on the mountain, and is transfigured before them. His appearance is changed into his glorified state. And uh, here appeared two prominent Old Testament prophets, Moses and Elijah, speaking. And so here are these uh, prophets who are not sleeping. Uh, They're not non-existent, but here they are conscious, uh, speaking with Jesus. And then we have Jesus quoting the Old Testament when he's arguing against the Sadducees. And if you know about the Sadducees, they were a group who denied the resurrection. And Jesus went back to some Old Testament concepts to argue for the resurrection. And he told the Sadducees, don't you know that God is the God of the living? Uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. And so right there, Jesus affirmed that in that moment, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were alive, alive and well, and uh, living and communing with God himself. And then also we have that the resurrection applies to the body only. And so we have references to that in Scripture. In Matthew 27, verse 52, it says, "...the tombs were open, and many bodies of the saints that had fallen asleep were raised." And so the bodies were raised. It doesn't say the bodies and the souls were raised. And so only the body is resurrected. So in the future resurrection, the soul is rejoined with a body that is raised. And uh, Scripture nowhere says that the the spirit or the soul is, is raised up in resurrection. And then going back to Acts chapter 7, remember Stephen is the first uh, Christian martyr, and he was stoned to death by the Jews, and he looks up and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father with his arms open waiting on him. And so here we have uh, Jesus waiting to receive Stephen the moment he dies. It wasn't as if Jesus was standing there with his arms open awaiting him just to put him to sleep for hundreds or thousands of years. The Apostle Paul also in Philippians 1 verses 22 and 23 said, "'For me to live is Christ and to die is gain.'" He says, "'But I am in a strait betwixt or between two having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, for it is very far better. 
And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, had this conflict in himself. He, he wanted to be here on earth serving people and serving the churches that he had planted and sharing the gospel with people, but he wanted so much more to be with the Lord. And he said, it's far better. He said, I'm torn between these two, but for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, I gain so much more by dying. Now, if Paul had the belief that, that a soul simply goes to sleep or, or becomes non-existent in death, what gain would that have been for Paul? It wouldn't have been any gain. In fact, it would have been very selfish for Paul to say, you know what, uh, I'm just going to sit this one out, and for the remainder of my what would have been my life, I'd rather just go to sleep and just lay there in this non-existent state uh, until the resurrection. And you know what? You guys, you churches and you Christians, you're on your own. No, uh, Paul had a, a love and a love for the churches and the saints, and he wanted to serve them. And the draw for Paul was not just to sit it out, but the reason not to be with the churches is that he, he gained so much more, and it was the very presence of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Paul never would have said this um, had he believed in soul sleep. And he said, uh, it's far better for me to be with Christ. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 and 8, he said, whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So the soul and the spirit being in the body here on this earth, uh, that means that we're absent you know, bodily from the Lord. But he said, "Willing, I am willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Rather than being in this body, be absent from the Lord. He said, I would rather be absent from this body and be present with the Lord. And so for Paul to be absent, for his spirit to be absent with the body, absent from the body would be to be immediately present with the Lord. And so strong arguments that go against the very idea of soul sleep. And there, there are other arguments that, that I could share, and they get to the nature of, uh, of the human and uh, of, of what a person is, and I won't get into that right now, but we've already seen here there are many arguments in Scripture that go against the very concept of soul sleep. And so I think we can safely conclude that there is no soul sleep so the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Seventh-day Adventists, they have it wrong on this one, and there's no soul sleep. And let's go back to the question of why does it matter? And I said at the beginning, because if we don't believe things that are true, we're going to be hurt by it in some way. And uh, there's a very subtle belief that works into this idea of soul sleep, and that's the belief that you get a second chance after death. And so your, your body, your soul basically becomes, uh, it goes to sleep or it becomes non-existent. And then in the resurrection, you get another chance. And if you believe that you're going to get another chance after death, you are sorely mistaken and you are going to be hurt by that false belief. And the Bible is so clear. There's one chance and one chance only in this life. And so what you do in this life matters, and really what you do with Jesus Christ in this life 
matters. There are no second chances after death. If you believe that there are second chances after death, you know what? That's going to put you at ease. All of a sudden, you're not accountable. Nothing that you do really matters in the end because, hey, you'll get another chance. No, uh, you must be ready in this life uh, for what comes next. And only in this life can you prepare yourself for either heaven or hell. And how do you prepare yourself? Again, I'll be talking about that here on an upcoming episode. Please come back and I'll share that with you. In the meantime, God bless you. Oh